Welcome back to Moms in Baseball. This is episode 35, and I'm Stephanie. And I'm Diana. Today we have a guest with us from the Motor City Hit Dogs organization, which is out of Michigan. It varies based on age level and from year to year, but the Motor City Hit Dogs are known for producing some of the best teams in the state. If you're from Michigan, you probably already know who they are. If you aren't from Michigan and you haven't run into the Hit Dogs at a competitive tournament in your own state, we have talked about them in a couple of previous episodes. Um, in episode 12, we talked to Lolly Esquivel from the Texas Canes, and Lolly had mentioned that he was familiar with the hit dogs and how they were traveling all over the country seeking out top competition similar to what his own team is doing and mark jeb talks about the hit dogs in episode 20 saying that when he was coaching showcase level with michigan select the three most competitive teams in the state at his age level were michigan select maroons and the hit dogs Michigan Select is based in mid-Michigan. The Maroons are on the west side of the state, and the Hit Dogs are based in the general Detroit area. Our guest today is Mark Hammond, who is head coach of the highly competitive Hit Dogs 11U major team. So welcome, Mark. Thanks so much for talking with us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, Mark, I wanted to start out with what would have been my first time seeing you, even though I didn't know who you were at the time. It was before you joined the Hit Dogs. You were coaching a team called the Legends, and we both had, well, I wasn't coach, so I I didn't have the team, but (laughs) (laughs) I was part of an 8U team. You coached an 8U team. We were both playing up in a local 9U tournament in Vassar. I don't know if you remember that tournament, but I remember it really well. Well, uh, one reason it was in the middle of May, we actually had to like pause the game because it was snowing like so thickly. There was like low visibility. Mm-hmm. And the other reason I remember it is because our little 8U team kind of had a rough year and that was the only tournament that we won that year. <laughs> so it was a big deal. <laughs> but anyway, as, as far as I remember, and you'll correct me later, I'm sure if I'm wrong, but I know we had a very young team on the River Dogs and I'm quite certain that you had a pretty young team as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm pretty sure we would have faced your team at other times that same year as well, like in a scrimmage or something like that. But looking back, I think what really struck me is that because I saw your players like early on and then I saw how they were the next year and the year after that. And I don't think I've ever seen a team improve that much in such a short time period. So with that said, I'm wondering if you could start out just telling us a bit about the legends teams and like, especially that first year. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, definitely appreciate uh, compliments on that. So legends baseball, I started, um, as you referred to, at the 8U level. Uh, it was compromised of just basically local kids that went to the same school that my son went to. Okay. We carried, I think the first year we carried uh, 11 or 12 kids, and we kind of kept it at that for three years. And we did. We always played up, especially at 8U level. It was very important that we played kid pitch only tournaments. We didn't want to do any machine pitch. We didn't want to do any coach pitch. So we played up at pretty much every tournament. And um, we, we would travel down down to Celine. Uh, you mentioned Vassar. I remember that tournament very, very well because <laughs> I remember the snow. I remember it being very cold and wet. It was terrible, but it was a lot of fun to be out there. Yeah. And, and like I said, so it was all pretty much local kids. And, and that's really what I really love about youth baseball is they're, they're all sponges. So you can, you can mold them and they learn so quick. And they did. We had a really, uh, what I thought was a really competitive team. Each year we got a lot better. And that 8U season, it was 
you said it was rough for you guys. It was very rough for us. Uh, I remember we only won three games. I think we only played about 17 games that year. So we were three and 14 and we won three of our last four games that season. So those wins didn't come to the end of the year, but it was very nice to see. And all the players and families all kind of agreed that, you know, it was great because you could see the progress being made. And then that rolled into a nine U season that we had a tremendous amount of success. And, um, it was another, I think we played even like 50 games or 55 games that year. And I think we won 32 or 36 of them. So we had a tremendous amount of progress at the nine U season. I think we won, oh, probably four or five tournament. And certainly not the travel that I'm doing now, but it was still a very local team of all basically Shepherd, Michigan, Shepherd Elementary School kids. And that was kind of the long-term goal was to develop something that could stick together, they could develop together, and then hopefully by high school, they were able to uh, just become sort of a powerhouse, to be honest with you. And then we took that team to the 10U season and still had a lot of success. And uh, after the 10U seasons, when I, my family, I guess, Owen, my son, and then my wife, Allison, we all kind of came together and discussed about uh, possibly exploring other options for for our son. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's talk about your son for just a second, because I don't believe you mentioned this, and I'm sure that I'm right on the math here. He would have been six on eight U team. So he was playing up two age levels for those first three years. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So six years old, he played eight U at seven, he was playing nine U and at uh, eight, he was playing 10 U. So yeah, he was, that all factored into the decision too. I mean, he definitely held his own there. Absolutely. But we just wondered, you know, what would it be like if maybe we explored other options and put him against kids that were, you know, his age, how would he stack up? Right. And just to give listeners an idea, especially people who aren't familiar with your son or your team. So on that original 8U River Dogs team, I had two boys playing. I had a six-year-old and I had an eight-year-old on the team. And then the next year, because my husband had been coaching the few older players and then a bunch of new players, you know, moved up to 9U. My husband and my brother stayed down in coached my you know originally six-year-old then seven-year-old child for another year of eight you and when we faced you when that nine you team faced your team with your son who was seven years old at the time pitching um I'm pretty sure that we were able to come away with the win but it was always like a really tight game and th- th- that team our nine U team and our ten U team had a ton of success. I remember us winning like seven or eight tournaments in a year in a row that year. And their biggest advantage, I think, was hitting. They could just hit like crazy, and they really struggled to hit off of him. And most mm-hmm. seven year olds, I mean, most seven year olds don't know how to pitch, like right. let alone hold their own against really competitive um, nine year olds. So I, I guess, like, was he one of the only really young ones, or did you ever consider staying down and doing another year of eight U, or was it just always pretty obvious? that you were going to keep moving on with him at least the first couple of years there? Yeah. So as far as legends goes, we, we were a young team overall, but for, for my son specifically, uh, I've always felt if he could compete against the older kids, then, then I would do that. And we were playing double A competition compared to the major level. That's, that's what legends played at. Mm-hmm. And he, he always did really well. So playing up two years, it, it wasn't a huge deal. Whereas now, obviously, with Hit Dogs, we play just major tournaments. So we're seeing the best of the best all over the nation. But, you know, Owen, yeah, I mean, 
you guys were you guys were a heck of a team. I mean, you still are, but um, when we squared off, our boys really looked forward to going up against you guys. I mean, you guys were kind of the cream of the crop that our boys really wanted to beat you guys. And I don't think we ever did. If, if uh, I remember Mid-Michigan Lumberman at the time, they had a pretty good team. And, and uh, we wound up getting those guys, beat them finally. And that was a big hurdle for our very local group of kids. And yeah, my son pitched against the River Dogs quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. it was always a really good game. It seemed like once we got to 9U and 10U, at 8U guys, you guys just wiped our floor with us. But uh, at 9U and 10U, it started to be a lot a lot better baseball game for sure. It was. I Just out of curiosity, I, ha- I didn't like go through the whole history, but I happened to look up mm-hmm. the most recent game, I guess, that I found mm-hmm. in Game Changer history when I, when we played you in 10U. And we won 3-2. Mm-hmm. to two. <laughs> So yeah. I mean, It was close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we had a few of those, actually. I think that even went back to 9U that were one, two-run games um, where it was like, man, we just couldn't get that. And that's what separated you guys. You guys as a whole just hit the ball a lot better than we did top to bottom. And we just couldn't seem to manufacture that extra run when we needed it. But that's baseball, so. Right, right. So obviously, Diana mentioned that your players improved so much even over that year. So it's a a testament to you as a coach. So why do you think or how how were you so successful in making so much progress in that short amount of time? Well, I'll tell you, even once I came over to the hit dogs, nothing changed as far as how I coach. I'm a big believer in small details. So I structure my practices. If you were to come to one of my practices, there's no standing around. Um, there's lots of reps, but there's also the breakdown of each thing, whether it's fielding, base running, pitching, hitting, all that. There's a, there's a breakdown to the, the smallest fundamental detail. And I, I just try to explain it. And that's another thing that a lot of people kind of struggle to do, coaches, is not dumb it down, but you have to be able to speak it in a way that, that kids can understand it. I coach high school baseball. I assist coach here at Shepherd High School on the varsity. And I teach my squads the exact same stuff that I'm teaching my high schoolers from pickoff plays to um, leads at first base, second base, steals. Everything's taught the exact same way. That's great. Um, yeah. And, and I think that'll help produce these kids um, and set them up for even more success as they become older and older because they've done it at such a young age. And so the Legends team, they, they improved. Again, they're like sponges. All, all kids are. And as long as you can keep these practices, I believe if you keep the practices very uh, fun, I mean, they've got to have a lot of fun, but also you keep feeding us information to players and, and they come back wanting more and more. And, and basically you just give it time and, and things kind of come together. So small details, focus on those, break it down so kids can understand it. That's kind of, I guess, my keys to success. Yeah, that's great. So you switched from the Legends team, which was a local team for you, playing at 11U, and then you took your son to, then he went his age level, which was 9U, the Motor City Hit Dogs, which you are also currently coaching. Yeah, so... So how did you make that decision? (laughs) Well, so I actually reached out to a buddy of mine, um, Craig Hollenball, who was very familiar, obviously, with the Saginaw Bay River Dogs, Mm -hmm. and... um, yeah, you guys probably know Craig. So yep. I um, I reached out to him and I said, Craig, so this is at the end of what would have been Legends 10-year season. And I said, Craig, I'm 
who's the best in the state? Is there a team that's just hands down the best for development? They go to maybe national level tournaments. And I'm, I'm talking real national level tournaments. I just, I kind of want to see where he'd stack up if you were to try out on a team like that. And he said, yeah, right away, he sent me Scott Leonard's phone number, who's uh, he and his brother, Tony owned the Motor City Hit Dogs. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to Scott and uh, told him who I was, said I was interested in bringing Owen down for a tryout. And so that was in July, what would have been almost three years ago, because I'm going into my third year here with the Hit Dogs. And um, so I bring him down in July for a tryout. And at that time, I wasn't going to coach at all. I was just going to be a dad. I was going to, I was (laughs) totally content with that. And I love coaching, but I was, it was all for Owen. So all I wanted to do is get him down there to try out. So we, we go down there and coach uh, Tim Youngblood was the coach at that time. And uh, he still is of one of the 11 U teams. Mm-hmm. And before we left the tryout, he says, I, I want a one on a team. And I said, wow, that was, that was quick. I wasn't even expecting any kind of answer tonight. Right so he now. had a pretty good tryout. And um, I said, well, I'll talk to my wife about it because you see, we live two hours North of, of uh, the hit dogs facility. Right. Okay. So, mm-hmm. We knew that, hey, this is going to be a huge time commitment. And then, so we talked about it together as a family. And we had to make sure that Owen knew at obviously a very young age that, hey, if we make this jump, you're going to have to be all in. We know you love the game, but here are the things that are going to be required. Um, this is a national team, a national organization. So, you know, you're going to have to continue to put in the work, which wasn't a problem for him because he loves, he loves playing baseball. So we go down there. And we're driving back home and coach Youngblood, I think called me one or two times just on the way home. And he's like, are you guys joining? Like, and, wow, uh, he was excited. <laughs> oh, he was very excited. So kind of long story short, we accepted the, the position, I guess, to come aboard and uh, join the hit dog family. And like I said, I wasn't planning to be a coach. Well, they had an instructional fall league mm-hmm. that fall. So every Saturday I was driving Owen down and we were just kind of in this fall league. It wasn't a whole lot of playing. It was, it was instructional. And I got to know Tony and Scott Leonard very well that fall. And again, I was just planning on being a dad. So I would bring my chair. I'd sit there, watch, not make a whole lot of noise and just kind of observe. And I'm watching Tony and Scott and I'm like, man, they're, they're teaching everything that I teach. Like we're very similar. Like the, the verbiage, everything's there. And uh, both those guys are big, high energy guys. I like to run my practices with a lot of energy up tempo. And um, then it just kind of led to where Scott Leonard had asked me a few times. He's like, Mark, just coach this team. And and uh, the idea was to develop a second team, a national team. And they had a coach lined up. He wound up taking the varsity baseball head coaching job at Anchor Bay downstate. Oh, okay. Yep. And then after being asked enough, I, I said, well, you know what? I, I plan on bringing him down for practices anyhow. So yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll coach. <laughs> so I, I love it. I mean, we've got some amazing families and we had amazing families with legends too, but it's just, it's a really different type of deal um, because they are, uh, the families are all about, Hey, you know, it's, it's a little bit on the player. It's not, you know, mom and dad can't bail you out. So you got to put in the work and uh, it's what coach says goes. It's just a really good atmosphere. And um, it's a lot of high level instruction. So um, not only with what I'm teaching, but with the hit dogs throughout 
all the winter and fall till spring training starts, we have minor league baseball players in on our practices. Oh, nice. Yeah, I have Harrison Wenson, who's with the Los Angeles Angels right now. Uh, he works with my catchers throughout all winter. And then I have Ty Hensley, who's actually pitching independent baseball right now. Um, he'll be out in, I believe, Milwaukee is what I heard. And he was a former first round draft pick from the New York Yankees. He works with my pitchers. Devin Ahart, formerly with the Los Angeles Dodgers, he's in there helping with whatever I need, whether it's base running, infielding, outfielding. It's just great. There's a lot of high level baseball IQ that comes through the facility that's always willing to give a hand. And um, they're they're always there with my players and anything that I need, they're they're uh, always eager to help. So it, it was a really good decision to come there. It did take a lot of thought. And um, we drive down throughout the winter and fall. Usually we start practices uh, around November. And then our team travels quite a bit. So we'll play one tournament usually in the fall, whether it's fly down to Arizona. Um, This year, we have been already in January to Florida. February, we're in Arizona. March, we're in Texas. North Carolina was in April, early April here. And we've already been to Indiana as well here in April. And we're going to Indiana this coming weekend, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we travel quite a bit, but as far as practices, three days a week. So I'm, I'm traveling 12 hours of just travel time each week during our winter practices, three times a week, uh, two hours there, two hours back. But it's really cool. I mean, that's 12 hours of time where it's just my son and I in the vehicle together. And it's 12 hours a week that, you know, basically it's just he and I. So it's really cool. Is, is he your only child? I have to ask that. He is. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yep. that's perfect then. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. Makes a, yep. that really helps when you're spending yeah. that much time doing something. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, uh, I'm i not sure how people do it with multiple children. Mm. I guess they just make it work, but it, it yes, definitely would be a, yeah, <laughs> it definitely would be a juggling act. Stephanie and I just had yeah. that conversation recently because I'm, before we started recording and I'm talking to Stephanie, I'm pulling my hair out because my kids are pulling me in 72 different directions. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I only have two of them. And, you know, my husband and I, we're not outnumbered. Like, I don't know how people do it when they're outnumbered. How do you do that? I don't know. You just have to walk back and forth, Diana. I have three in baseball right now. It's okay. Oh, my gosh. You just walk back and forth. I wanted to go back for your tournaments for a second. Like, how did you pick those? Like, especially for the not in season right now. Like, your December, your November. How did you pick those tournaments for your team and why? So, yeah. So, um, we like to go to places that we haven't been. And um, really, we... Now we've been to all of those places um, multiple times. Uh, at the 9U level with the Hit Dogs, we actually went to North Carolina. We didn't mm-hmm. go at the 10U level. E- everything last year was kind of just messed up with everything. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, so we went back to North Carolina this year. It's a great tournament. features some of the really the best teams in the East along the East Coast and Georgia, North Carolina, and all that. We actually go to Georgia here in June, and um, we usually – well, we have gone to Georgia every every year. Um, Georgia is great. I mean, it's uh, some say it's the mecca of baseball around the East Cobb area. And then Texas in March. That I would tell you that Texas in March, and several people would tell you in the travel baseball world that that is the tournament um, of all tournaments. It's it's um, up next to the World Series. It is the best tournament and draws the biggest greatest competition i should know this but we don't know yeah what's that tournament yeah okay so it is a perfect game and it's it's houston so it's a it's a perfect game super nit it's down just outside of houston texas and um it draws i think this year with all the age groups i want to tell you it drew over 700 teams oh my goodness and how did your team fare this past year 
So that was our third tournament of the year. Um, we went into bracket play. I'd have to look it up exactly. We didn't win it, obviously. So, but we had a we had a good run. Oh, we ran into uh, Premier Baseball out of Texas, and we got knocked out in bracket play. Um, really good organization, well known. They actually have a uh, their head coach is a former big league guy. Wow. Um, yeah, and then uh, as far as the other two that we went to. We've been to Arizona before. We actually went uh, what would have been our 10-year season. We went in November of the 10-year season. And then this last February, we went as well. And again, just uh, draw, draw some really good teams in the South. And then January, we went to Florida. A lot of it is, uh, and even for, for our parents, is it kind of gets us out of this Michigan weather. Um, in the wintertime, right? Yeah, what so, you're talking about. True story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it seems like every year that goes by, I hate it more and more. Maybe it's because right. I'm kind of spoiled and we're traveling south so much. In Florida, it, the MLK weekend, that perfect game holds a, a really good tournament down there as well. Draws a lot of teams. So as far as when we put together our schedule, um, when I put it together, put it out there to the parents, we just really want to always challenge our boys. We could stay in the state and um, not travel at all. And we would, without being arrogant at all, like we would probably beat up on everybody. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And um, (laughs) I mean, we played this last weekend in Canton, which um, you guys are familiar with Canton, Michigan. Mm -hmm. And uh, we played in the super NIT down there and we run rolled four out of the five games that we played. So it's just the competition level as a whole isn't always there. So we just always want to challenge our players. And then we also like to see where they stack up on a national scale um, against other teams across the nation. So uh, we were actually scheduled to go to Vegas last year, but obviously with everything that happened, we that shut all down. Mm-hmm. So Vegas is still a place, a destination that we'd like to go. Uh, California, my son's played in California. He gets picked up to play on a couple teams uh, in the wintertime out of Arizona, Scottsdale Dirtbags is, is the one that he usually travels and plays for in the wintertime, usually plays a few tournaments with them. So um, we'd like to take the hit dogs to Cali, Vegas, kind of just kind of explore all these different areas that we haven't been and make sure that we still go to the really big ones that we have been to and uh, continue to just keep challenging everybody. And, uh, and then along that, what comes with that, you know, I believe is that, you know, my son specifically, our son, has been playing in front of so many different eyes his whole life. And so there's no fear factor. There's no, you know, like deer in the headlights moment. There's no spotlight that's too big. He just goes out there and and does his thing. And I think that actually long-term will, it'll pay off. You know, there's never going to be a moment, hopefully, that's too big on a baseball field for him. And I think socially, my, my son's a lot like my wife. They're very outgoing. Um, I'm more reserved, but but my wife and son, and that's one great personality trait that I really love that he got from his mom <laughs> is that he's able to just talk to anybody. And um, so so socially, that's a that's a big deal. And frankly, we're in and out of airports traveling and flying so much that Owen could at 11 years old now, he can navigate his way all the way through an airport and he would know how to go to gate. He would know how to bag check. He'd know how to, you know, go through TSA, the checkpoints and all that. Like we've been there, done it. So I think that does a lot. I mean, I didn't know how to do that until uh, probably after college, to be honest with you, is when I, right. I flew once when I was 15, but that's, that's about it. I think there's a lot more than just the game of baseball that it's doing for our kids. Oh, absolutely. Um, 
just the exposure yeah. is one of the big things. In our organization, we've got a lot of big names. When I first came to the Hit Dogs at the 9U season, um, Dominic Criola, um, you might remember, played 15 years as center for the Detroit Lions. Both of his boys were in the organization. And then, obviously, now uh, still with us is Chris Illich, the owner of the Red Wings and Tigers. Oh. Trevor plays on the other 11U Hit Dogs team and oh, has cool. since, I think, 8U. So it's just um, it's, it's a lot of fun. That is great. So you talked about not playing a whole heck of a lot in Michigan because you guys are looking for top competition and basically you would just kind of beat up on your age level in Michigan. And so I want to talk about um, when you first started with the Hit Dogs in 9U, and I don't know what you did last year as much, but in 9U, I know that you guys stayed in the state for a little bit and you guys were playing up in age level. Mm -hmm. And I specifically remember an instance where you played up two age levels because I'm quite certain you were in the same tournament that our current, you know, 13U team um, is in. So I just wondered if you could talk a little bit about that and how did, you know, how did that happen? Is that just, you're looking for better competition and so you're playing up or is that you triple SA kind of forcing the issue or how did that happen? Okay. So yeah, it's actually both. We, um, we've been told several times by the state director, you trip there, Jay Kornbacher, that our squad, many of our motor city squads, we, we can't play at our own age level at a lot of these tournaments, they catch a lot of flack um, going into it. It's kind of already decided. I mean, anything can happen on a baseball field, but we've had such a pedigree of winning these events at our own age level that, and, and it does, it is also our personal decision too, that we play up at least one age level. Now at the nine U level, we did play up and Jake said, we're not going to allow you guys to play in this tournament. I said, well, we really want to play Jake. And he says, well, you'll have to play two age levels up. And so at 9U, we were playing 11U, which was a big deal. One, just in the simple, the simplest form, like you're playing on a bigger field. Uh, now the bases are farther. Um, yep. So instead of 46 feet pitching and 60 feet bases, you're at 50 feet and 70 feet. And then you're playing against kids that are two years older. So it was really, really crazy. And uh, we actually had to do that again last year at 10U. We played 12U. Oh. And both years we did... I thought we did extremely well playing two years up. Um, right. Nine U, nine U, we went one and two in the tournament, missed bracket play, but we lost one game. I'd have to go back and check at the nine U. We we won one game, lost the next game. I think only by two runs, something like that. It was a really good ball game. I think it was six to four. And then the third game, one of the three games, we got beat pretty good. It was like thirteen to five or something like that. And then at 10U last year, when we played about two age levels here in the state, we actually did really well. And uh, we, we went one and two again, but both of our losses, we lost by one run. And we had the lead going into the very last inning. So both teams walked it off against us mm. uh, to beat us. So, you know, that that's the fun part about it is that, uh, and I think it truly is because of what we expose them to certainly is because of how we train as, as an organization, we have a, a motto train to develop. And, uh, we go to a lot of these tournaments, even the national events, we don't fly in five, six kids to, to a tournament to play nationally. We, we win these, uh, events playing with our own guys. Last year, we went to the, the real big tournament down just outside of Atlanta, Georgia, and, uh, we wound up winning that tournament. And all we had all weekend was nine players. We didn't have a tenth. We had no oh, wow. subs. And to win that tournament on Sunday, we had to play four back-to-back-to-back-to-back oh. games to win it. So we're talking about 10-year-olds going in, 
playing in that humid southern heat and uh, having to do it four games all in a row. How did you have any pitching left? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, how do you manage pitching for something like that? So that's, it's very important to me. And I did this with legends that I tried to develop every player on the team to pitch. So, mm-hmm. you know, U-Triple-S-A has pitching rules that you can pitch up to uh, eight innings worth. So essentially 24 outs or six innings in a day, um, which is your 18. But because we develop, like everybody on my current team can pitch, they all have innings this year already. Mm-hmm. And, and that's by intention. Uh, when I roster kids, they need to be able to pitch. We go to, uh, we'll have two tournaments this year, one in Georgia and one in Florida, the National World Series for Perfect Game, that uh, they're week-long tournaments. So you have to be deep. I mean, you might be playing eight, nine, ten games, depending on how you come through bracket, to win a tournament. So you, you have to be deep. Um, right. If not, then you're obviously not going to make it through it. So. Right. And do you have any like pitcher only kids? No. So not at this age level. I don't really believe in it at this age level. I, I know of other national organizations, again, that fly in players specifically just to pitch only. But I, I just think it's so much more satisfying to to do it with our own kids. Now we'll bring in a kid, maybe one kid, like we brought in one player for Texas and one player for uh, Arizona this year. But every other tournament we go to is just just our kids. Um, this weekend, we'll, we'll roll down with 10 players to Indiana. And we played last weekend with 10 players. And the weekend before that as well, we won Indiana with 10 players. So wow. Yeah. So again, it's, if you develop everything correctly, I've never really, as a coach worried about wins and losses. I just felt like if you do everything correctly or maybe a little more correct than the other team more often, then you're going to have success. You don't have to worry about the wins. They're going to be there. You know, there's a, there's a quote that I say quite often to my players and it's master yourself and your competition doesn't exist. So we just focus on us and not necessarily what the competition is or who it is. And just know that if we go out and play the game the way we're capable of, the way that we all know that our players can play, then really it's going to be really hard for anybody to run with us. And um, I tell you, the, the Southern teams don't like it when the Northern boys go down there and whoop on them. They, they don't <laughs> I like bet. that at all. <laughs> yeah. I bet. So I was just wondering too about, because um, we've discussed it before with arm care, like do you have any catchers that are pitchers as well? Or, and are you concerned about their arms too or no? Well, that is a, it is a serious thing to think about as far as my, my team specifically, I have three catchers, so it's not like I'm just relying on one player to catch all these innings and then go pitch. I have three catchers and they're all really good and uh, they all pitch. So, but they all play other positions as well. So especially at the 11 U level and 10 and nine and and so on, and it'll be the same even at 12 U, but I mean, each year, kids get a little bit more specialized towards a specific position. But uh, as of right now, no, I mean, like I said, my catchers, I've got one catcher that plays shortstop quite a bit. I've got, uh, and he also plays outfield. We got another one that plays first base, third base, and pretty much play anywhere. Um, And then I got another one that also plays outfield as well. I've got a team that's pretty athletic, so yeah, it sounds like they're good all around, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they play multiple sports. Most of them do, not all of them. Uh, I've got a hockey player on my team. I've got basketball players. I've got football players, and and my son, he doesn't. He he did. He did play football last year. Obviously, the football season was shut down, so he didn't do it last year. But Owen trains three days a week doing boxing. So um, another really good sport, great for conditioning. And um, 
he loves it. He, oh, and, cool. and it's a, it's a great sport as well because it's training him a lot of the muscles and the rotation and the core strength and everything. It actually, it ties into baseball very well. So he's actually training, doing boxing, and he's probably not even realizing he's making himself a lot better for baseball, getting himself stronger and, <laughs> and uh, taking care of everything. So, but as far as the arm care, we're on J bands before every practice, before we make any throw, before any game, everything. Um, did that, I think at the nine U level, to be honest, take some 10, maybe 15 minutes uh, to go through all their J band routine. And now, even last year, I don't think I even told them what to do. They just, they know they clip it on the fence. As soon as they get there uh, at the facility, we have an actual room that is the J band room. And uh, it's got a bunch of hooks on the walls and they just go in there, clip their J bands on, get their work done before they even go out and make a throw. So, so, and then as far as like in-game stuff, uh, I'm not a huge pitch count guy because I don't truly believe in, that there's like a magical number. Um, I think pitch counts, certainly coaching high school, there's actual pitch count mandates. Um, you know, you're capped off at 105 pitches, that sort of thing uh, mm -hmm. per game. But arm care to me is more about conditioning that arm. So it, to me, it's foolish to go out and have a player throw, even if it's 60 pitches, to send him out there and throw 60 when he's never even trained to throw 60. Right. So to me, it's more important about building up volume early in the year. So if we start uh, practices in November, we're just playing catch you know, going through just playing catch and, you know, our infield work and things like that until, I mean, we, we spend four to six weeks of just flat ground stuff before we even think about getting on a mound. And then when we get to the mound, even at this young age level, we do all of that. And then when we're on the mound, we're throwing 20 pitches, 15 to 20 pitches the first time. And then we just slowly build up that volume on the mound. And then that way I feel that to me, the arm is no different than any other muscle in your body. I mean, all of us walk seven days a week to some extent, but nobody says, hey, you're going to you're gonna blow out your hamstring if you don't take a day off and sit today. To me, the arm's no different. I think that it has to be used. It has to be trained. I think players actually get themselves in trouble when they rest their arm too much and you'll have maybe some atrophy or something that takes place in the muscle where you kind of lose everything that you've trained for. And again, another analogy to me is that you just tell somebody to go out and run a marathon without any training. They're not going to be able to do that. So you build up, build up, build up. I mean, runners, they run all the time. There's thir certain things that they do, just like we do throughout the course of a season, just like a runner would, that they're not just going out and running distance every single day necessarily. They have, you know, short days and things like that. And I used to run cross country all the way through school. So I know a little bit about the running part of it too, but yeah, so we just treat it like any other muscle and we just try to make sure the volume's there. And, you know, at 11 years old, you really shouldn't have any kind of arm problems. So, yeah. About how fast are your top pitchers throwing? So Owen is probably my top pitcher velocity wise last week out in the barn. I have a barn that's turfed and has nice. its own netted and pitching machine and mound and everything out there. Yeah. My wife's really excited about it. She asked me, she's like, how much money do we got out in that barn? I said, don't ask that question. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Never uh -huh. ask how so, much baseball yeah. costs. That's, that's, yeah, that's all, right. that's what we want too. So, yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Last week or the week before that, he hit 69 at 11 years old. So okay. he's, he's probably our top, but he probably sits around 66, 65, 67, somewhere in there. He's fastball, curveball, changeup, knuckleball, silly throws. Nice. And then most of our guys are between 
Oh, I'd say 63, 65 is, is the bulk of them. We've got a lot of guys that throw right around there. Uh, and okay. then the other guys are probably right around 61. Yeah, that's that's pretty good for a group of that 11 is year olds. Yeah. That's not <laughs> bad. <laughs> yeah. Take it. <laughs> yep. Wow. So if somebody has an unusually talented player, would you recommend having their kid play up or would they just try to find a more competitive team at their own age level? What do you what would you recommend to them? Well, I'd recommend they come to the Motor City Hit Dogs. That's what I'd recommend. Let's say they're not in this state. Yeah. Okay. So I think it just depends on the circumstance. I think, and I'm not saying my son's special or anything by that matter, but our own personal decision kind of came down to that. It was, uh, do we continue to play up or do we maybe seek out and find, is there maybe a better opportunity? And for us, there was what we thought was a better opportunity and, and it has chosen so far to be the, the correct decision. Like I said, we're very happy with it. And so was Owen. I don't think there's a problem playing up. Uh, there's players in our program that actually play up and they do very well playing up within our program, even on our national team. So as long as a player, and, and this is just my personal opinion, if the player is having a ton of fun and they can still hold their own, then I don't see a problem playing up. Um, I think Owen could play up. I, I have several players on my team. Uh, I've got a player from Toledo, Ohio that could certainly play up. I've got uh Man, it's, it's probably wrong to even single out a player like that because I really think pretty much my whole team could play up. I really do believe that. And they can play up for any organization or even our own. But again, I think it just comes down to um, making sure as a family, I guess, you decide that, okay, what is best? Is my son getting the level instru of instruction that is going to positively impact him uh, in the future where it's going to develop him? And uh, is he being challenged? So one thing that I've never wanted for our son is to be uh, the best player on the team. And I didn't want him to be the worst player on the team. Because I always figured if he was the worst player on the team, then he's in over his head. We got to back it down a little bit. And if he's the best player on the team, he's probably not getting challenged enough. So I wanted to surround him with a bunch of other dudes that would continually, even in practice and games, just push him to be yep. even a better version of himself. So that's what that's what I would say. That's what we've kind of done. So you got to make sure it's fun, but you got to make sure they're they're being developed properly as well. Right. Absolutely. So I saw that your son was selected for the Perfect Game All Tournament team for both pitching and hitting through the Eleven U Perfect Game Texas Fall State um, Championship. So congrats on that. Um, so was yeah. this an invite only? Or did you bring, is, was it something that your team played in a tournament and he got like a ticket or something? Or how, how did this happen? Yeah, so perfect game. We bring our own hit dog team to it. So it's it, it's a regular tournament. Mm -hmm. um, that Texas tournament was a super NIT. That's the one that I referred to earlier as being the biggest tournament, in my opinion, um, mm -hmm. up until when we play in the World Series. Right, okay. And so there's no ticket per se. There's no piece of paper. Um, at the end of the tournament, they pick what uh, they believe is an all-tournament team for hitting and pitching. So it's not just necessarily based on numbers. Uh, your numbers do have to be there. Uh, I don't think there's a magic. You got to hit 400 to be on the team. I don't know if it's anything like that. Mm -hmm. But um, it's just the great thing about Perfect Game is they've gone to uh, a system called Diamond Cast, which is much like Game Changer. People can, you know, watch it just like Game Changer, where it's all live pitch by pitch. However, with Diamond Cast, they actually have a radar gun at every game, tracking every pitch. 
uh, recording if it's fastball, curveball, what the speed is. And so they have these perfect game has their own people at each game. And then they kind of take note, I guess, of, hey, who's who's doing really well in this tournament? And then they select an all tournament team for I think pretty much every one of their tournaments. I know they do it for all their supers and uh, the bigger event. Mm -hmm. So it's just a kind of a cool, fun thing. I know uh, UCCA years ago, they did uh, do the super select, select 30 and all that, where they kind of get this golden ticket, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, yep. It's not like that or anything. You just kind of get this little accolade. Kind of like an honor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just a That's job cool. well done, you know? Yeah. So you've talked about this, the Super NIT tournament in Texas. So I'm going to ask, what what is the cost for your Midwest team to go in and be in this tournament or just a ballpark? Yeah. Yeah, so I know you're probably referring to like total cost, like airfare and like what's it, what's the general? Yeah, well, obviously. So you guys are flying. Everybody's yeah. flying. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, for, for Texas, absolutely. I mean, yeah. when it's Georgia and North Carolina, we have families that definitely drive that. It's not too bad. You can get there in 10, 11 hours. Uh -huh. um, but Texas, absolutely. Florida, um, Arizona, we're flying for all those events. The, the tournament itself is usually only about uh, 600 bucks, I think it is, for the entry fee, which um, every team within the organization has their own tournament budget. So right. that comes out of that. Um, but as far as like the airfare and stuff, you know, we try as a team just to, and, and parents are all responsible for their own uh, hotel and airfare and that sort of thing. So it definitely adds up. This is, it's not a cheap thing to do. But they look for their own deals, whether it's flying Spirit Airlines or uh, there's an app that you can use called Hopper. Show some uh, every once in a while, it gives you a really good deal on airfare. So they kind of seek that out. But, you know, like flying down to Texas for us, when you factor in hotels and usually we try to get down at least a day before the tournament starts so we can kind of get settled in. Uh, my family specifically, I'm speaking. Mm -hmm. And then usually we're flying out the day after the tournament. Because, you know, if we're playing in a championship, usually that's not till late that night. And I right. really don't like taking red eyes back all the time. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, Texas, I bet you we had probably probably close to two grand, 2,500 for a family of three. I mean, it's, it's not right. cheap for sure. No. So, and as I mentioned, we've already been to Florida, Arizona, Texas, North Carolina, and we flew all of those. So obviously I'm very blessed for our family to be in that position to, to you know, go through these opportunities and um and it's a lot of fun we just treat them as little mini vacations because obviously i think most everyone would love to do that but obviously financially it's it's not a opportunity that everybody can can do so you know there's been times on trips where you know if uh parents have to work or something like that we'll fly a kid down um i've, I've taken kids just just with me before to tournaments, whether it's driving or flying or whatever it is. or mm -hmm. So we have a lot of families that help each other out, which is really nice. Does your team have any corporate sponsors or just, you know, you guys are doing local fundraising and or paid out of pocket? So our specific team does not have any corporate sponsors. Next year, I think we're going to try to get into fundraising a little bit more. And uh our organization does have corporate sponsors that help, obviously, with our facility, and uh, which is 17,000 square feet. And plus, we just picked up another that's 60,000 square feet on the west side of the state. Wow. And we're actually expanding again, but I can't speak on that news yet. So as far as our team's budget, um, there's a player fee that every, every family pays. And then as far as the travel and lodging, 
um, and food. That's kind of all on right now. It's all on each family. Mm -hmm. We've done small bits of fundraising before, like, you know, Super Bowl squares, things like that. Right, right. But as far as a big corporate sponsor, no, we don't we don't have any of that right now. Okay. So we know a lot of teams, travel teams break up like around 13U or several of the kids are going on to the high school and showcase teams. So we noticed that on the bullpen roster that you have kids with graduation years ranging from 2026 to 2028. Do you have any rough plans about what will happen to your team when the kids start going into high school? Um, yeah, so that's obviously something to think about. Um, I, I don't have any, um, I guess any fear of the team breaking up. I think what we'll do is we'll just continue to play, play up and, uh, continue to challenge the players. You know, at the, at Motor City, we have what's a really, really good team at the 14U level. Um, I think they're ranked number two in the nation by a perfect game right now. And, um, they, play up and even at 16 year and things like that obviously things change right when when players get to the high school level obviously yeah. the high school season going on um so so things will change a little bit but i think we'll kind of address that when we get to it with our specific team but for the most part i'd like to keep our boys together uh as much as possible right right so you you'd brought up rankings a couple of times and when we were you know looking into your team a little bit we noticed um just to throw a couple of rankings out there that i was able to find tbr ranked ranked your team the 11 you hit dogs 49th in the u.s travel ball select ranked you number 13 I'm skeptical personally of the TBR rankings a little bit. Um, I've I've seen things like there's a team ranked that hasn't existed in two years, and they're ranked pretty highly. And so I'm kind of like, well, what's that based on? They didn't even play last year. So where did that come from? But the idea of rankings for travel ball teams is kind of interesting in and of itself because everyone's playing in totally different tournaments, playing different teams. But with that said... I am curious, obviously, you know, people are going to agree that your team is ranked nationally. And and what are your thoughts on like kind of how your team stands up to other, you know, highly competitive teams in the country? Yeah. So as far as rankings, um, to me, all they are is uh, it's a good talking point. Um, Mm -hmm. As far as TBR, I've seen those. I don't pay too much attention to TBR because I I kind of know, especially what's out there on a national level. Mm -hmm. The rankings at TBR are just I know firsthand they're just way off. Uh-huh. Um, so for whatever reason, I don't I don't pay attention to that when I I think even the state rankings, the last one I saw, like we're not even number one in the state. So I think it's crazy. I don't I don't know. Perfect Game has us right now uh, at the most revised rankings at 25. We don't play a whole lot of U trip. We played last weekend, so I'm not even sure where we're at on the U trip rankings. But again, we don't pay a whole lot of attention to them. We just kind of stay focused on the task at hand, who who are playing and what we have to do as a team to make sure we have success. The rankings are just a talking point. I mean, it's, it's kind of cool, I guess. I imagine for parents going into something and saying, hey, this is the number one team that uh, we're squaring up against. And, and it kind of maybe it gives players a little motivation, I guess. But we don't focus on it too much because, like I said, we played enough national competition that I know exactly where our guys are and how we stack up. And I also know being around the game, as long as I have that, it's just baseball. So at any given day, anybody can be beat. 
And uh, you, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. No matter what you rank, you still have to go out on the field and, and uh, execute. So absolutely. Yep. I just had that conversation with my 13 year old today. It was, uh, <laughs> what were we talking? We were talking about the Oakland A's losing their winning streak to the Baltimore yeah. Orioles of all people. And it was like, you know what? <laughs> we talk about that all the time in baseball. Like yeah. anyone can beat you. It just, you know, they're, they're hitting the ball where people aren't and you're hitting them right at people and you just never know. <laughs> I think that's a really good point. And um, I think a lot of times people lose that perspective. And when you look at it, the major league season, 162 games, um, take the New York Yankees right now. Nobody predicted that they would have right now. They nearly have, if it wasn't for our Tigers, would have the worst (laughs) record in baseball. Right. Um, But, you know, like three, four days ago, they did have the worst record in baseball. And everybody was, you know, ready to panic. And, And here we are, not even into May yet. We still have five months of baseball left in a major league season. So the perspective and, you know, you look at the AL West and you've got teams like Seattle up near the top. And and you would think that it's going to be Astros or even possibly the Angels with all the talent they have. But it's just the season is filled with ebbs and flows. And again, anyone can beat anyone on any given day. So the rankings thing, again, we don't I don't pay attention to too much. Right. Yep. Do you have any particular goals for your team for our 2021 season? Yeah. So at the start of every year, I have my players actually list out goals for themselves and then team goals. And then I, as a coach, always have goals. Um, The ultimate goal that I have every year for my squad, and this goes for high school or these youth players, is that at the from the start of the season to the very end of the season, I as a coach want to make sure I have developed that player to become a better ball player from what they were at the start of the season. And then I think the game of baseball is so much like life. And I try to fill life lessons in there as I'm coaching the game. And so I just, I really want to each year just try to shape and mold these young kids and into hopefully what will be fine young men in the future that'll contribute to society and be good husbands and things like that long-term. So my goal ultimately is, is that to try to develop these kids to being better ball players. And I don't try to get too short term where it's like, Hey, I need to win this many tournaments or this many games. Again, I don't, I don't worry about wins. I, uh, I truthfully, I don't, if we do what we're supposed to do, the wins will be there. And if we don't, we don't execute and the wins won't be there. So it's pretty simple. I try to keep it that black and white. And um, I mean, our players, they'll have goals like maybe it's go to this big tournament and win it for the team or individually. They might say, you know, I want to uh, get quicker on my feet. When I have my players write down their goals, I just kind of let them know, hey, don't tie it to a stat. Don't don't, you know, get fixated on that. I think stats are evil. I think um, (laughs) if you're if you get caught up into I need to bat. 500, you're going to fall short of it because you're always oh, in your yeah. mind going to be thinking, Hey, I've got to get this hit. I was that player when I played. And, oh. um, and so I know what that's like to be like in the on deck circle and say, okay, I need to go two for three this game to get my average to this point. It was, yeah. Then you're too much in your head. Oh, yeah. and then, then you become robotic. And I always tell my players play like you're in the backyard with your buddies free and loose and be the biggest competitors on the field. And uh, if you do that, you will play with a certain piece and um, you'll just you'll learn to play the game with a lot of fun. And um, because honestly, that's that's like one of the biggest things is I've seen it with a lot of coaches or even instructors where 
take, for example, a hitting instructor, they almost get these players to become so robotic where it's like, okay, worry about your hands being here and this has to be your path. And I'm like, no, how about this? How about you just get up in the box and compete with the guy that's got the ball that he's trying to throw by you? How about you just get up there and do that? You know, have a good approach and uh, hunt speeds and just focus on those things instead of like, you know, the mechanics all the time. I mean, again, in practices, we focus defensively. Um, we'll break drills down, fielding a ground ball to small mechanics. But uh, hitting wise, I I will tell you that I speak to my guys more about their approach, what to look for in certain counts. I talk to them far more about that than I ever do about the mechanics of a swing. Because to me, there's no cookie cutter swing. I see guys that are in the big league that start their hands in a different spot mm -hmm. uh, than other guys do, and they, I mean. You take a guy like Hunter Pence, who retired a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, I I would imagine some some coach along the way has probably tried to change his swing because it's just mechanically it's not as sound as other players, and um, even pitchers too, right? I mean, you look oh, at a yeah. guy like Chris Sale. You look at a guy like Chris Sale that throws from a funky arm slot. I'm sure there's coaches that tried to fix him, but it's, I'm sure they did. To me. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's more individual. So if it works for you, then then keep doing it. Just try to create an environment that that a player can thrive in and being the best player that he can be and not necessarily like, hey, this book of hitting says that you're supposed to swing like this. And so therefore, you've got to you've got to do it that way. Otherwise, you won't have any success. I just want my guys to be the biggest competitors there are. And to have a good good approach at the plate, and just be hungry for the baseball and the defensive side, want every baseball, and um, and then be really really good teammates. That's that's all I really look for. Absolutely. Right. As a parent, I totally appreciate that. So thank you. <laughs> that's great. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I know you have a crazy schedule this time of year. Yeah. Thank you guys. I really appreciate you guys even thinking of me to bring me on. It's uh, it's been an absolute pleasure and. Um, yeah, I look forward to listening to a lot more podcasts of yours that uh, now that I know that it's out there. So Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. And who knows, maybe one of our couple of teams will run into you at some point in time. Maybe not in Michigan. Maybe our 13U team in Michigan or maybe my 11U <laughs> team at some point in time. We'll see. Well, your 11U team is down in Grand Park this weekend, aren't they? They are, yes. yes. And we are also in Grand Park playing 11U this weekend. Yeah, see, and I won't be there because my 13U oh. team is in Wixom, and we are playing a hit dog team. I saw it on the schedule, mm -hmm. aren't we, Stephanie? No, that's next weekend. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, that's next yeah. weekend in blah, Battle we? Creek. Yeah. Okay. I don't nice. know which. There's probably multiple hit dog teams. I don't know. Yeah. But yes. we have literally, that 13U team has literally never played in, since we've been 8U. Mm -hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong, Stephanie. We have literally never played a hit no, dog team. We we've haven't. been at same tournaments, but we yep. haven't faced. It's like the weirdest thing. I don't know how mm -hmm. we've always avoided each other. Hmm. But so this will be a first. Yeah. And yeah. Um, as you may know or not, my younger son has played your team, and we did not come out on the correct side of that. It was when he was playing up one year. So let me think. You would have been nine U. He would have been ten U River Dogs. So we played you guys. In Shelby Township. We did. And um, that was our year of like the runner up. Like we were like runner up in a million mm. tournaments that year. Mm. <laughs> and uh, they beat you in pool play. And that was like they one did. of their major accomplishments. And it was, you know, you were a year <laughs> down. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then, yeah. of course, they lost out in the in the championship. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Owen pitched that game. I remember that game. I remember the whole tournament. It was, it was a lot of fun for sure. 
It was. Yeah. I went into that tournament and I was like, man, I know so so many of these players from River Dogs, and, and obviously <laughs> a year above that, I know even more of them. And it it's it's been a it's been a lot of fun. So hopefully we hopefully we see your guys' team down there. I know in pool play, obviously we didn't draw each other, but maybe yeah. in bracket play we can see each other. Yeah, so. we'll see. It'll be interesting. Well, thanks again, Mark. This has been yes. great. Well, awesome. I really appreciate your time. Yeah. No, thank you for your time. Good luck to you guys, too, this weekend. Yeah, yeah you, you too. too. We'll probably <laughs> need it a little bit more than you will, but yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, anything can happen. So yeah, we'll you never it. know. All right. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. Thanks, guys. I'm going to provide a brief update here because we recorded this episode a couple of weeks ago and our 11U River Dog team did not run into Coach Hammond's team down in Indianapolis. Um, we actually came very close. We lost in bracket play to a team that we had actually mercyed the day before. So just like he said, anything can happen in baseball. And if we had won that game, we would have gone on to play the Hit Dogs. Um, in our next game. So it didn't work out. I know the boys were disappointed that they didn't get to play them. But of course, the Hit Dogs did go on to end up winning the tournament. Um, This was at Grand Park. It was a bullpen tournament. And in fact, over five games, the Hit Dogs outscored their opponents 42 to 2. So they had a great tournament. At the end of that tournament, it ended up giving them 14 straight wins. On deck for next week, Stephanie and I will be giving a brief update about what's going on with our boys' latest travel baseball tournaments. And we are actually going to be trying something new. We are going to be reviewing the tournaments that they are attending. So if you are planning to attend any of these tournaments, we'll give you the scoop on all the important things you need to know, like how timely are the directors in posting games, Um, What are the umpires and the facilities like? And most importantly, how are the bathroom facilities? Feel free to find us on social media, or you can check out our website, Moms in Baseball, or give us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Until then, have fun at the fields. We'll see you next week. I was always a small player. I was, I was very small. My son is, Owen is 5'7", 135 right now at 11. Wow. That's my 13-year-old wow. size. Yeah, that's and he's yeah, a big 13-year-old. Yeah, they're big 13-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And he wears size 10 and a half shoes right now. Oh, my gosh. And he's, he's not yet hit his fur. He's been consistent three inches a year. That I wow. think that that's why none of us knew early on when we played you that he was playing Mm -hmm. up two years because he just seemed like a normal size for kids that age (laughs) you'll have to share the diet that you feed him with the rest of us (laughs) well i'll tell he'll eat anything the the pantry is empty uh he walked in the door uh today from school and he's like oh mom went grocery shopping i'm like yeah that doesn't mean you need to go in there like you stay out for five minutes like but he's eating all the time so yeah that's kind of what you do, right? Especially with boys, you feed them. Absolutely. And they just kind of grow. Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm.